I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome, friends, to the broadcast of Theology Unplugged. That's right. Credo House Ministries. We are here. Me reclaiming the mind ministries. All of the above. <laughs> uh, we got all kinds of names, don't we? Yeah, we're just making up names all the time. I think we like Credo House the best, though, right now, don't we? Yeah, I mean, people get it and people understand because of random house publishers and stuff and a coffee house. And mm-hmm. I think it allows people to get it and it doesn't feel like we're just sitting in a back room brainwashing people, too. Like, well, it's hard. It's hard because we're so, the ministry is so much bigger than so many of the things that we do. It's yeah. like it was like the other day whenever I heard this guy that that uh, that was he posted on a site at his web church or his church or somebody directed me to it mm. and he quoted us I think from this podcast during a sermon during a though, sermon right? yeah okay. and he said you guys won't believe this I got this from a coffee house in Edmond Oklahoma yeah like well you don't really get it from a coffee house but that's the perception people have sometimes yeah. of us. We call ourselves Credo House Cafe if we're out there working. Yeah. And here, you know, it's part of Credo House Ministries or Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Anyway. Yeah. But he, he did get it from a coffee shop, but we're way more than a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. But we are a coffee shop. And we're a darn good one, too. Yeah. But we are right now Theology Unplugged. That's right. We're unplugging everything. We're very humble about everything around here. There's that plug. There it is. Yeah. Got it. Unplug it, brother. It is unplugged. Okay. And we are ready to go. And what, uh, is, what does unplugged mean for if you're new to theology? Unplugged? You know, maybe I'm just showing my age. I don't even know if people use that anymore, but I just think it's cool. You know, yeah. When you get unplugged, it means you're you're yourself. You're not. You don't have any microphone that is blasting and changing your voice. Any electric guitar, yeah. that kind of stuff. Unplugged it's, means acoustic. Nah, not acoustic. It's but. just you though. I mean, it's trimmed down, and so it's basically you know, Michael and I will we teach. We have a church history curriculum coming out, and we spend a lot of money having a very high-level video production team come in, and we set up lights and all that stuff, yeah, and, yeah. and we're ourselves. And we know what we're going to say. Yeah. We've rehearsed it. Yeah, it, and we're ourselves. I mean, it's my, not, Whenever it's I say fake. my joke, you laugh at the right times. Yeah, even though I know it's coming, and I'm hoping you deliver it better than you did the last time. Oh, but man, still. it was terrible. <laughs> did they get on video, that joke? Oh, I think so. But the thing with Unplugged is that... Can I do the joke right now? No, Please don't. Okay. But we just don't have uh, that production level. What the idea is, is let's get in our well, audio Speaking of studio. production level, are you picking up the telephone? Uh, I picked it up slightly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not quite as soundproofed as we'd like to be, but... Uh, if you'd like to donate, uh, you can make this happen. <laughs> uh, great, you can you can help give us a few more layers of soundproofing in here. Yeah. But we are using some new microphones today, and we're really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. But Sam is not here today. Sam is uh, traveling somewhere. Yeah, I think he's in Minneapolis right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But we are uh, we are doing a a podcast today about uh, whenever God embarrasses us. Yeah, and I think next week we'll kick off our Roman Catholic series. Yeah. Uh, But uh, this one we're talking about being embarrassed. Um, About being embarrassed. And and again, unplugged means, you know, we were talking earlier. If we were talking over coffee, we'd gotten to work. I'd worked the morning shift. You came in Mm -hmm. and said, what do you want to do it over? I said, let's do it over. God, does God embarrass us? Yeah, because we've been talking about that. We've been thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we neither, neither one of us have any script, so we don't know what this is going to turn into. No, that's right. But let me present the problem, okay, Tim? Okay. If I may. Here's here's my contention, Tim. Look at me. Look at me. Okay, I'm looking. Um, here's my contention is that 
I, you know, I love apologetics. I mean, it's just like that is that that's the that was the bridge that got me into theology and everything yeah, else, yeah. and was excited. That was that was the bridge that got me to say it's really true. Whenever I believed all my life, but got me passionate about things. So I love yeah. apologetics. So don't think I'm slamming apologetics. And apologetics, I mean, it has a good track record. I mean, there's. Yeah. I was hearing someone just the other day was telling me about their story of coming to Christ, and and it was through a very um, kind of formulaic apologetic strategy yeah. of someone saying, okay, if someone asks, here's how you lead someone to Christ. Yeah. Here are the words you use. Yeah. And, you know, we would kind of look at that like, man, there isn't a formula. I mean, come on. Yeah. God's got to yeah. do the work here. But he used a formula in a powerful way to lead this guy to Christ. And, you know, I'm sitting back like saying, okay, I would have probably criticized that formula, but here's this guy that's been faithfully ministering now for several years. Okay. So. Well, here's my contention then, Tim. Okay. I feel like sometimes apologetics is not very unplugged. Okay. Um, it's polished. It's forced. We're, we're unplugged right now. The, we are the, unplugged. The, Sorry, the, the telephone. Is, uh, and we have three coffee I'm workers. watching behind us the <laughs> telephone shows up on the screen. Oh, man. And we're, we're unplugged because we're frustrated because we have three baristas that we pay that are in the Credo House right now that none of them are answering the phone. How's it going for so long? I don't know. It might be because we're so busy that... It's still ringing, can, though. I mean, it's, it it's got to go to the... It's ridiculous. It's, this is crazy. Somebody really wants to get a hold of us. Michael and I have set Hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go get this. Broadcast is still going. Okay. And I'll answer it. Unplug. This, okay. this is unplugged. Because we're having this talk about uh, our phone system here, and we've gone to this hyper-mobile system, so whenever someone's making a drink, they can have a phone in their back pocket. But the problem is is that you can never find the phones, and they're always buried somewhere uh, because after someone's talked on it, they set it down somewhere and keep making a coffee. So Michael's a, he's picking up the phone. I think he has located one that was perilously close to the uh, audio studio. And uh, here he comes. And it looks like someone else already got it. Did no, someone nobody else got it? Nobody got it? No, but I did drive uh, Shane out. Okay, and I think that this is definitively going to make us go back to our old phone system. Where we had a phone positioned everywhere. And I can't find the old phones. Okay, I'll find them. You will? Yeah, I'll okay. find them. So listen, unplugged, right? Okay, yeah, we've been so unplugged. People probably aren't <laughs> even listening anymore. But if you're still listening, if you're one of the select few that are listening still, it's going to get good. Unplugged. I don't think apologetic sometimes is unplugged because I feel like sometimes we feel like we are pressured into giving answers for things that we don't necessarily need to be giving answers for. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Um. I think sometimes God embarrasses us. I think sometimes we find problems and difficulties and we say, if I don't solve this, then there's going to be mud on our face. Yeah. I feel like sometimes as, as apologists. Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. Okay. If this phone rings more than two times, I will fire someone today. (laughs) I will. That is my vow you have. It stopped. It did stop. Okay. And they, he got it out of your office. Um, it, I, okay, we're still on the other show. Uh, PR reference. I, I feel like we, uh, apologetics sometimes act as PR representatives. Okay. What does a PR representative do for their people? 
Uh, I mean, you you make them look good. You you represent them. You answer all the questions, and you're always making you're spinning things to the best. And spinning that's the key. Yeah. I mean, you're not out there as a PR representative. Whenever things look bad, you're you're not saying, "Hey, let's let's reveal this." Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 have a moment of reality. Let's have a moment of unpluggedness. Yeah. Yeah. We always want to have everything polished before we hand it over to the public. Yeah. And that's not Christianity. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of I mean, and we see it everywhere. I mean, you see the if you're looking for a new house and, and they say oh it's cozy <laughs> you're like okay that means it's really tiny yeah, you know? yeah. but cozy is the code word yeah, to make yeah. it sound nice yeah. you know so it's all this pr thing where you're telling all that you're not lying but you're always making things look good does god here, here's the thing does god polish himself up I mean, is God polished, or is his ways polished, or is his revelation of his ways polished? And, you know, I don't think they are. Yeah. I mean, just take just take the stuff that he put Job through and didn't tell him about it. That was unpolished, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. junk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the PR representative in that situation, well, you know, the things that they could have said about God and, yeah. and, and could have revealed and... God just comes out and says the worst possible thing, yeah. you know, about himself. I'm not mm-hmm. telling you. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, in like Jonah, I mean, at the end of Jonah, we wonder, does Jonah hate God? <laughs> you know, yeah. And does he hate life? I yeah. mean, like he's mad at God and, yeah. and God's saying, here, I'll put forward this story. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you about how I interacted with Jonah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, that doesn't look really good. <laughs> well, you know, and apologetics is a part of evangelism. It's part of theology and it's a part of outreach. Yeah. And, you know, if the end goal is to try to get people to convert, which I don't know if that's our end goal, it's our end hope and desire, mm-hmm. but it's not the goal. Well, and I think, like, you know, if we look at Second Corinthians 5.20 about us being ambassadors for Christ and that, uh, that we're imploring people to be reconciled with God and that God is using us, that, you know, a lot of, we can look at that verse as like an apologetics type verse. But I, I think, too, is I think our ultimate goal is, it, yes, it's conversions, but it's more connecting people with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, as an ambassador, you are representing God. You're not representing your view of God. You're not representing the best of God. You're representing God, period, all of him. And so, you know, I think what it comes up is, uh, is do we always have to spin it towards the positive? Or is there room, and is there room in what God has revealed to us? Is it possible that there are parts of God uh, that... For us, we we would prefer to have a better answer. Mm. But as ambassadors, we're not representing ourselves. We're representing him. You know a pastor of a very large church in this area who says, from the pulpit, I will never talk about hell. Mm. It's embarrassing for him. Mm. It's not polished. Yeah. It's not presentable. Yeah. It's something we'll talk about in our secret meetings later on. It's something we'll talk about whenever we get down to the nitty-gritty of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. But... You know, here's the deal. It's not good PR to talk about those hard things. It's not good evangelism. It's not good apologetics. If we do it in an apologetic way, let's present other options besides hell. You Mm. know, somebody's objecting to God and raises their hand and you say, I've got an objection to Christianity. Yes, what's your objection? I don't like that he's going to kill, you know, millions of people that he's supposed to love in hell for all eternity. You know, you correct him here and there and say, well, it's not really him killing him. It's the people that are going there because of their own sin, you know. Mm. But in the end, a lot of people just say, but there's other options, you yeah. know. 
There's, there's other options beside this. Some people believe in annihilationism. Some people believe in universalism. So let's just leave it at that. Since there's other options, that's the best PR we've got right now. Mm, mm. Since there's other options, now can we move on? So we're still basically in that situation. The reason that Sam Storms is not doing that yeah. is... Uh, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> we know it's not Sam because Sam uh, definitely uh, preaches the whole counsel of God. But I think what you're, what that person's trying to do is basically try and save face for God. And, By giving other options the yeah, best we can do. And they're, but they're not... They're, they're, they're smart enough or they're uh, smooth enough to not deny hell. Yeah. So they're not saying like, hey, uh, I don't believe it exists or something like that. Uh, maybe they're going that way a little bit, but they're biblically astute enough yeah. probably to say, I know I shouldn't go there, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to affirm it either. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to just uh-huh. say, well, you know, there's a lot of views on that. And, uh, you know, let's talk about something else. Yeah. Well, let's, let's put it in politics. Let's say that in politics where you have a candidate that, is seen entering into a hotel room with another woman. Okay. Right? And it's like, it's pretty obvious what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So the PR person comes up, and the PR person says, well, yeah, I mean, but he could have been going in there to counsel this girl. You remember he was a counselor, you know, before Mm -hmm. he became a politician. And so, and he also could have been coming in there to introduce her to her friend or his wife or his wife. Yeah. 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 So let's move past that again. Here's the deal. Okay. Sometimes we put forward things defending God, whenever we are embarrassed of him. Mm. That's what I think. Yeah. Let me give you another example, and I don't mean to step on anybody any friends' toes. So I'm not okay. going to mention any names because there's just too many friends' names to mention here. And all I do is question it a little bit. Okay, let me let me question some things a little. Are bit. you gonna, are you step on my toes right now? No. Okay. Um, I think sometimes when we're dealing with a co- common problem today of God in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. like whenever He goes and He commands the slaughter of of uh, men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. Right in in the Old Testament in Canaan, and we come in there and we say, "Man, that's a tough one." Mm-hmm. And somebody's objecting to it. Man, that's tough. What are we going to do about this? Well, let's get our team together and let's discuss how we can make this look good. You mm-hmm. know how mm-hmm. we can make this. You go over there and you study ancient Near East and you find some type of loophole <laughs> that, that will, will get us out of this. You yeah. over here, you study the language and make sure we're uh, good over yeah. here. Please find the meaning in Hebrew that's other than yeah, yeah, exactly the most the most odd one that it could be. You yeah, know? so yeah, yeah. it could be meeting with uh, uh, counseling the girl instead you know? <laughs> instead of killing her. Yeah. Um, so he's. So we get together this meeting. We say, okay, we got something. I think we can say that it's possible that this isn't really killing the children. Mm-hmm. You know, by this. Yeah. Now, I don't mean to undermine the scholarship that some people are putting forth and, and the legitimacy because they may very well be right. Here's what I mean to undermine is that one of your motivation is the embarrassment of what God has done. Mm-hmm. And if he has come in here and taken his own people and he has slaughtered them and commanded people to slaughter them, while we are personally against genocide in the sense of us commanding it, a nation commanding it, I am certainly not in the least bit embarrassed about our God doing whatever he will yeah. with the people he will. Because in order to be embarrassed by him, I have to judge him. And in order to judge him, I have to borrow from his own morality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... 
if he did, he did. Let's deal with it. Yeah. Let's be unplugged. Yeah. Let's be honest. Let's get up to the podium and say, here's what our situation is. And you know what? If you don't want to accept God based upon this, I am saddened, but I ain't changing anything. Yeah. Because it's not mine to change. Yeah. I I think we so often, we we make fun of the the flannel graph kids ministry you know we make fun of of oh you remember with the flannel graph stuff and and now we're these adult christians and and you know throw that flannel graph away let's be adult christians but i i think though is we we get comfortable with a flannel graph type god we yeah. get comfortable with a cartoon god yeah. and we don't give him the the adult attention and mm. I, and i think that these are the adult issues yeah. and you know i've been reading through uh, like numbers and deuteronomy and you know i i hear a lot of people kind of even mock about uh, about how the the Jews followed so many laws, you know. Oh, they were trying to keep you know nine hundred and forty two laws or something like that. But then when I was reading through it, I recognized that so many times Moses warned them and God warned them to say, "If you break one, basically you follow these laws or you will die." Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we see that uh, we see Aaron's sons died. Yeah. God killed them. Yeah. Because they did not follow every law to the yeah, T. Yeah. He literally stopped their hearts. Yeah. He killed Aaron's sons yeah. uh, because of that. You know, And I was sitting back saying, okay. And it's like with C.S. Lewis in A Grief Observed. It was like he finally sat back and said, so this is the way you are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not putting you on trial, but it's saying... I'm what, finally dealing with your character. Yeah, and I think what you have to keep in view is that he is better than us. Yeah. And that, you know, I believe love is a verb. You know, we can't touch love. Love is a verb. It's an action that subjects uh that subjects do on objects. And uh, and I think God is always love. Like he is always he is always acting out the verb love. And he can never stop acting out that verb yeah. uh, we can but yeah. he can't and but we still think that we are more righteous than he is that yeah. we are wiser than he is that we make better decisions than he does that that we would have you know if we were the god of the universe we wouldn't have killed the canaanites mm-hmm. uh, you know we would have just relocated them to a paradise island or something mm-hmm. and uh, but what we have to truly recognize is that even if he killed every one of the children even on their birthday uh, he went and killed them and had them killed that he is it is it possible in your theology can you do you have room for a god that is loving but may kill a canaanite um and and is it possible for you to have a view of god that way and uh, and i think it is and and i think uh, you know, you, judges sentence people to be killed all the time, yeah. and uh, yeah. and 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 we consider them righteous. But I mean, I do think though that we we don't. I mean, these are the things we need to be talking about. These are the things we need to be thinking about. Yeah. I think because we can have all. Here's why I think too, and and you can take over, Michael. But why I think though is because these are the thoughts that a lot of other people are having. And I think if you just say, hey, give me a good apologetic response. Give me the moral argument for God. Or, or you know, what are the answers? Give me the, when someone throws a question this way, give me the softball that I can hit back. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you aren't truly 
trying to wrestle with who God is and change yourself. Because here's what I think will happen is that you will be a better ambassador and a better apologist if at certain times you say, yeah, I don't know, yeah. or, or I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm yeah. still trying to process that too, but here's why I still follow Jesus, yeah. and yeah. here's why I still love yeah. him. And then I think you actually, people will, I think you'll actually be a better apologist for it than just always trying to uh, to just hit home runs. Yeah, be an apologist, but be an unplugged apologist. Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Be fine by saying, yeah, I don't know. You know I'm yeah. trying to, I, I recognize that if, if I was killing a Canaanite, it would I, the way that God sets up things. The God's history is is He's God, and I'm not, and I'm okay with that. My daughter two nights ago was texting this girl that she got on one of these one of these chat deals on her iPhone, and she comes in and she said, "Dad, I'm talking to an atheist." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, cool." And you know, this is Caitlin, and Caitlin is just she's very driven in this way, and so. She was very excited. She had been reading up on apologetics books and Lee Strobel and all kinds of stuff. And so she's texting back and forth. And every time she texts, she comes in here and reads it to me. And I say, all right, good job. And keep focused on this. And, you know, this is why we keep focused on this. And she came back one time. She said, Dad, I got one I don't know the answer to. I said, what is it? She said, well, she asked, why is God so silent? Why doesn't he answer? Why doesn't he show up whenever you call upon him? Why does he seem to hide and play hide and seek with us? Um, nobody's ever really seen them, that kind of stuff, right? And it's a good one. It's called the problem of God's hiddenness. Mm-hmm. It's not something she came up with. It's yeah. historic. You go back last 2,000 years, and we see that mm-hmm. because God does seem to be hidden in some sense. And so, you know, I thought about it. I thought, well, okay, I could I could explain to Kate, Caitlin, because we've talked about this before, but I, we could re- go through the different theories and where I stand on it, basically. But in the end, we don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why God... <laughs> I mean, I get frustrated with it myself. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he show up whenever I call upon him? Why doesn't yeah. he, you know, why doesn't he sit down and have a theology unplugged with it? Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. love for it. A special guest today is God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Can we'll, you believe it? We'll let him do the talking. Yeah. But anyway, so why not? Why is it Why is, Why is? is it a, such a hide-and-seek game? And it is. To me, mm-hmm. it is. All right? Mm-hmm. Let me just admit that. It's frustrating. Okay. You know? Um, I need him. I need his presence in a different way. Mm. Can't wait to be in his presence in a different way. Mm. We're not in this presence in that way right now. So I said, Kaylin, here's what you put. Let me give you three words. I don't know. Mm. And she was like getting ready to type. And she looked back up at me and she said, no, really dad. (laughs) I said, no, seriously, I don't know. Then my wife chimed in. She said, Michael, tell her the answer. Yeah. Stop messing around. Yeah. Come on. And I said, y'all, I don't know. We don't know. That's the best answer we can give. And she's like, that's not going to be good. It's like, okay, you just want to come up with something to just come up with something? Yeah. PR. Yeah. You're saving face. Yeah. I said, here's the deal. Put I don't know. She finally put it. And I said, pause and let it sit for a while. Now, start typing again after we let it sit. I said, but... The fact of God's hiddenness does not affect whether or not Jesus rose from the grave. And mm. if Jesus rose from the grave, then it's all true either way. Mm. Yeah. You see, I mean, here here it is. I love, I, I've rarely seen a politician stand up and just all of a sudden just give this honesty that blows you away. Yeah. I can't wait for the day that I actually see that. It's true because, like, if you ask a politician, "How are you going to fix the economy?" and they're like, "I have no," they're like, "I have no idea," but I think you should put me in office. I'd be like, 
I think I might vote for him. Because yeah, yeah. at least he's honest, yeah. you know. I don't know, but I have some theories. We're going to try, you know. Yeah. Are they good ones? I don't know. I mean, yeah. they, they seem to be, you know. If, moment if of they honesty. don't work out, yeah. we'll try something else. Yeah. Yeah. But there is not many times where we have situations where apologists feel, I think, feel the freedom. And I think that's what theologians have to come in and say. Yeah. It's like we have to come in and say, hey, you're free to say, I don't know. We're over here a lot of times saying, I don't know. Yeah. Please represent the truth well. Package it fine. You can package mm-hmm. it in ways that are effective. Mm-hmm. But don't package it in ways that are hiding things. Yeah. Well, because I think I think what happens, too, is that uh, one thing, you just start make not making sense. But if you are courageous enough to say and to tell the truth and to say, I don't know, it will give a lot of validity to the things you do say. Mm. Because if, if I ask Michael a question, he's like, I have no idea. And I'm like, wow, okay, that was brutal, yeah, brutally yeah, honest. Yeah. And then I ask him a question again, and he's like, yeah, let me share with you something. I'm like, oh, okay, I think he probably actually knows something about this mm-hmm. because he he's free. He knows when to say that he doesn't know, so it probably he knows when to speak as yeah, well. Yeah. And uh, and that doesn't mean we don't study our butts off. We don't uh, really seek to know all that God has revealed to us. But there's you know questions about the hiddenness of God, questions about pain and suffering. There are are limits, uh, even questions about the Trinity, the hypostatic union. Uh, there are definitely limits. You know how what exactly happens when someone becomes a believer? Walk me through every detail. That there's going to be aspects where like there's mystery here, and I just don't know. And and I remember I'll never forget um, Chuck Swindoll when we were in his church. I'll never forget him preaching through the Book of Job. And I remember on more than one occasion, he would get up there and read the entire section he's going to preach on. And I remember him one time, after getting through reading it, uh, he paused and he said, I have no idea what this means. Hmm. (laughs) And it was so refreshing to me. And he said, now, uh, it doesn't mean because I haven't been studying it and I haven't been praying and, and seeking God and saying, God, what does this chapter mean? He says, and it's not because I wasn't reading other commentators, but other commentators are saying things that I just think they're making up. And I ultimately don't know what this means. But he did, like what you did with the resurrection, he did say, but let me tell you why I think the Bible's still true. And let me tell you why I still believe it and why I still read it and why I still love it. And I'll, I mean, I, I'm still talking about that, and that was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I did this. <laughs> Let me give you the opposite illustration. Um, yesterday, here at the Credo House. You know? yeah. No, no, no. It, it wasn't yesterday. It was three days ago. But at the Credo House here, we uh, we had a guy who pulled me over. And I'll walk through, and people are sitting at tables everywhere, and they're studying their Bibles or going through something and mm-hmm. talking. And say, hey, Michael, you come over here for a minute? You know, I love to go over there, and they ask yeah. me questions, and... I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm in the mood to be like this, and sometimes I'm in the PR mood, you know, yeah. for myself. I'm um, <laughs> public representative for myself. The guy opens the Bible, and he, and he turns to a particular passage, and he says, read this real quick. And he read it, and we read it together. He said, what does that mean? Who is that person? Is it this person? Um, and I said, yeah, that's it. That's it. Same person. I had no clue. Mm. You know, it was just something I was trying to confirm as if I already knew it. I'm representing myself. You haven't presented anything new to me. I already know, you know, who this guy is. He's the same guy that was in Chronicles, you know. And so you're saying you just lied. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because I, well, I, I, I thought at that point I did know, you know, 
And so then I affirmed something. Okay, that, you're starting to sound like a politician here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and so I affirmed something that I thought I did know at that point because I should know it. And so okay. I automatically went in this pu- representative mode, this public relations mode. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the phone's ringing again. I'm I'm back to considering firing somebody. Which one should we fire? Uh, the only one who's here. Okay. The only one behind the bar. But um, so that that was a bad example. I should have just said, I don't know. I I haven't read that passage in a long time, mm. and I don't know who that particular. I think it was like, is this the same Sarah as this Sarah? Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I, just, I don't know, but the, to save face, because here's Michael, the the guy who started the Credo House and the yeah. guy who knows everything. He's the resident scholar. Yeah. And so here I am walking through here, and of course I know every answer. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, and so you know, and that was really refreshing to me. I'll do a name drop here when J.P. Moreland was here, um, because it, well, it paints him in a positive light. But uh, both you and I had conversations with him where he was asking us questions, yeah. like things that he didn't know about, that he yeah. didn't understand, and things that we've done podcasts on, yeah. and that I, I would think were be like kind of a softball type thing that everybody should know yeah. about. Yeah. And uh, and but to his credit, he was, uh, and maybe he did know things about it, but he was. Uh, he was saying, you know, oh, tell me more about that. You know, what does that mean and stuff? Yeah. And uh, and it really impressed me because, you know, here's a guy that we were flying out, a guy that we were saying he's a scholar, that, and he did a fantastic job when he was here, but he continues to have a life that seemed to be where he's okay to say, you know what, I don't really know too much about this one area because, I mean, nobody can know everything about everything. Or even, even if, like you said, maybe he already knows about it all. But it's his way of inquiring everywhere he goes. Tell me more about the emerging church. Yeah. That's one of the things he said to me. Yeah. He yeah. probably knows a lot about it. But he doesn't care whether I think he knows a lot about it. Yeah. It's yeah. his way of inquiry. And he could leave there without making himself look good. He's yeah. not in the public relations business for himself in that yeah. sense. If you're talking about saving face, making yourself look good at every yeah. second. Yeah. So, you know. Well, and it could be like to use our example. Like what if we're bringing JP from the airport and he's like, Tim, uh, tell me why God is hidden. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I just don't know. Like, yeah. do, you, do you have any thoughts on why God might be hidden yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. And you might be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're supposed to be teaching me this. But it's he's he's comfortable enough uh, to to be okay with that, mm. you know? And, Jim, and, let me, let me we're, we're getting close to the end, but i gotta, okay. I got to give you two, two, two quotes, and I want you to get your thoughts on them. Okay, okay? give it to These me. These are two heroes of ours, right? Okay. Charles Spurgeon said this. One of his most famous quotes. Defend God, I'd sooner defend a lion. Mm-hmm. Just let that sit down. Defend God, question mark, I'd sooner defend a lion. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Here's, here's one of Spurgeon's heroes, John Calvin. Another quote, famous quote from Calvin. Find it everywhere. A dog barks when his master is attacked. You you can't called me to your office when we read this. I think yeah. in the institutes. Yeah, I think so. so. You're reading through the institutes. You said, "Michael, come here." <laughs> and it was the first time I had ever heard this quote when you told mm, me it. Yeah. And so you said, "Listen to this. A dog barks when his master is attacked. I'd be a coward if I saw God's truth being attacked yet remain silent." Yeah. In other words, go and defend. Now, thoughts on those two quotes? Yeah, I think that they're both equally valid, and I think that they're both, they both should mentor our life, you know. So it's like this, with Spurgeon's comment, I mean, I, I like what he's saying. I mean, it's, 
I think that what comes to mind is if someone asks, it's exactly what we're talking about. If someone asks you a question, and I mean, part of our response should be, you're asking me a question about the God of the universe, and I didn't even know how to tie my shoes until 28 years ago or something, you know? And uh, so who am I, and uh, who am I to, to have to respond to this? And yeah. like, so if, if I'm ever in a debate and some, with an atheist, and an atheist like, prove to me God doesn't exist, I'm like, I don't have to. Because no, he wouldn't say prove to me God doesn't exist. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like, be a weird uh, atheist. <laughs> uh, okay, no, yeah, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I I would be like, I don't have to prove to you that God exists because we are two creatures and and we don't have to prove whether or not the Master exists or not. But at the same time, if I'm sitting in a church. And and a preacher is preaching along to a group of a hundred people, and he's trying to convince all of them that Jesus isn't God, and he's going on and on and on that Jesus isn't God, Jesus isn't God. There's a part to me that's going to stand up, and 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 it's going to be embarrassing for me, for my family, for my kids. But I'm going to stand up and say, "You are dead wrong," mm-hmm. and I will not stand here while you. Uh, just pontificate lies yeah. because yeah. it is very important that Jesus is God and and this goes against my personality but I will not stand for it any longer. It goes longer. against scripture. I mean there's a yeah, point where exactly. we say we are witnesses to the world of God. We yeah. are we're, we are the incarnate incarnation of God. Yeah, we're, we're ambassadors, yeah. But so there's a there's a time to be a strong ambassador and there's a time to say, I'm not going to get in between you and God. If you're trying to figure out whether God is real, the only thing I can do so is say... If you think say, he's mean, yeah. or if you think you know, you're judging him based upon his 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 dealings with you and in your life, I don't have to come up with some pithy answer. Yeah. Sometimes it's just tough stuff well, what and, God does. Yeah, and you got to leave it at that. Yeah, and, and when I sometimes when I'm talking to people, uh, when I'm talking with people about this, uh, one thing that I'll do is uh, is I'll I'll basically ask them like, have you talked to God about this, mm-hmm. or uh, have you prayed and asked Him about this? Mm-hmm. And so if someone's saying, prove to me that God's real or that any of this is real, sometimes I'll say, why don't you just ask Him? Like, I don't really need to be involved right now. This is between you and God, yeah. and why don't you ask Him if He's real? Yeah, you know things like that. I think can can go. What, what you're, I think that's a little bit like Spurgeon's uh, comment is, yeah. I don't need to be a part of this right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean that's the podcast, folks. Being unplugged in your apologetics, and in the end, you know, we, we don't know exactly how to handle every situation. We don't understand. Uh, a lot of stuff we don't know, know a lot of I mean, we, we can read a lot of books and do a lot of stuff but in the end there's so many times that we do say I don't know and we don't have to feel pressure to be God's PR representative yeah. next week we're going to pick things up hopefully Sam will be back with us thanks for joining us see you later you've been listening to Theology Unplugged visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.